You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Indeed you are, and uh, after quite a long break, I am back in my chair on Mondays teaching you Torah. So uh, welcome back to all the listeners out there. I'm very, very excited to be back and excited to start another learning uh, chapter of the Chumash, of the five books of Moses, where we actually go down into the sources and see what the Torah says in black and white. And of course, here on Chai FM, we learn everything in its authentic source. We learn Torah from the Hebrew and uh, look at what Torah has to tell us about how we live our lives and what lessons we can learn because the Torah, as we know, um, whose author is God himself, is a timeless piece of literature. It is something, it is basically uh, the architectural plans for this world. It's on from the Torah. Everything was created. And that was something that uh, we certainly learned about when we were delving into the book of or the Parsha of Genesis. And we were learning about the creation of the world. We know that everything that is found in this world is found in Torah, that God looked into the Torah and created the world. And so it's fundamental from a Jewish perspective to always go back to the source and answer the questions why. And as Jews and certainly as just as humanity, we always have questions why, why, and why. And the Torah is replete with with all all the answers in all areas um, that affect our lives and it's absolutely incredible. I love, love sitting and learning Chumash, learning the five books of Moses, because just on one verse, and that's what we're going to do today, just one verse, um, you gather so much information, you learn so much, it gives you food for thought, and that's what I'm here, is to learn with you. And always, I love dialogue. I'm not into too, too much monologue. So uh, if you'd like to share an idea, you'd like to ask a question, you'd like to refute even what I have to say, argue, I'm happy for, for it all. Our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019 and our SMS number is 34519. So for those of you out there who aren't driving or sitting relaxing in a chair, listening live to the program, we're going to be starting the next Parsha, the next uh, couple of chapters in the book of Genesis, so we know we have five books of Moses. We're in the book of Genesis last year. We finished the Parsha um, of Genesis, Bereshit. We are now going to be starting and learning the book of Noah. Yes, Noah and the famous flood. Um, while it seems to be a very, very small part of uh, of of the of world history um and it's mentioned pretty quickly there is a tremendous amount that happens there um and lots and lots that we can learn from so we're going to really be focusing on one verse today by introduction i'm going to read it in the hebrew translate it into the english and then you know Come around and just show you that by learning in the authentic Hebrew, we're able to learn a tremendous amount because each word, every vowel, um, every nuance of how things are said actually comes to teach us a lot. So the book of the Parsha of Noah begins in chapter 6. It actually begins in the middle of a chapter, chapter 6. It's verse 9. That is where the rabbis deemed the story of Bereshit, of Genesis, to finish and the story of Noach to start. And verse 9 reads as follows. 
Ele toldot Noach, these are the offspring of Noach, or these are the generations of Noach. Noach ish tzadik. Noach was a righteous man. Tamim haya bedorotav. He was perfect um, in his generation. Et ha elokim hitalech Noach. Noach walked with God. There you go. This is the introduction to Noach. Noach, as we know, um, was a tenth generation grandson from Adam Harishon, from Adam. And really, this is the introduction to him. And one would think that, well, you didn't really tell us too much about who he was. But in fact, the truth is, there's a tremendous amount to learn. These are the generations of Noach. Noach was a righteous man. He was perfect in his generation, and he walked with God. So let's take a step back before we actually dissect Noach and the various aspects of Noach and understand Noach in the paradigm of history. Where does he find himself? We've got to understand that we've gone through more than a thousand years of creation. In fact, I think the flood happened in 1656. I stand to be corrected on that, but in the 1600s of um, since the creation of this world. And um, Noah is the 10th generation grandson from Adam. And for those who followed up on the story last year, we know that those 10 generations um, continue to become more and more wicked, more corrupt, um, more morally de- uh, bankrupt, that eventually God is going to look upon the world and see that that which he had planned that which he had wanted for the world was no longer and that the slate would have to be swiped clean and restarted. So it's pretty significant to us that Noah is the 10th generation grandchild from Adam because the number 10, and for those of you who have listened to me for a long, long time, know that I just love gematria. I love the numerical values of numbers and how they intertwine and teach us so much. The, the, the number 10 is, is, is vital. It's important. It's significant. And the reason why that it is significant is because if you actually look at other aspects of Torah, other aspects of Judaism, other aspects of the way the world is run, 10 is a highly significant number. Just to name a few, we know that last week in the, uh, in Shul, we read the Parsha of Yitro, and in there we read the Ten Commandments. There's Ten Commandments that uh, Moses brought down, and we are, we are taught that from the Ten Commandments, all other 603 commandments are derived. We know we, in Judaism we have 613 mitzvot, 613 positive and negative commandments, the Ten Commandments being the 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 primal the 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 core of how the rest of the commandments are derived we've got the 10 commandments we know that um our forefather abraham in order to prove himself worthy and to pr- prove his dedication to god he underwent 10 tests the ultimate test of being the sacrifice or the near sacrifice of his son Isaac. So we have the number 10 there, the 10, the 10 tests. Um, we have here the 10 generations, um, from Adam to Noah. We also have 
right in the beginning of creation, that which we studied last year, we have the Asara Ma'amarot, the ten sayings, the ten Vayomer Hashem, and God said. God used the words, and God said ten times in order to create the world. So it seems that the number ten is a foundation and a building block for it. We also know um, further down in history, when the Jews had to leave Egypt, Egypt was struck by ten plagues. So as you can see, the number ten is highly significant. And um, it's not arbitrarily, it's not just a, a number, it just happened that Noah happened to be the tenth generation grandson. There is importance in that. So maybe you would like to venture a discussion or a, a comment on why the number 10. Love to hear your answers. 34519 or the WhatsApp is 061-895-1019. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back and we're delving into the mysteries and the Kabbalah of the, of the Chumash, of the five books of Moses and we have, uh, Hardly even started, and there's many, many questions. The question asked before the break was, what does the number 10 have? Does it have any significance? Certainly we could see that we do have 10 commandments, 10 tests Abraham went with, the 10 sayings that created the world, the 10 uh, plagues. Here we've got um, Noah being the 10th generation. What is the significance of the number 10? So our rabbis teach that 10 is a vital and important number because it correlates to the manner, the, 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 the energy fields in the, in the manner in which God created the world. Okay. We have in Kabbalah, um, an idea of a sphera, a sphera, a sphere, a sphere of energy, a sphere of influence. Um, in, uh, in, in Eastern, uh, religion language, they've formulated the chakra. But what this is all about is that there are ten flows of energy that come into this world from which the world is created. There are three intellectual and there are three emotional, uh, seven emotional. We find that within ourselves we have three emotional capacities, three centers of energy, and we have seven emotional. And on a macrocosmic level, uh, the world is created with these ten energy fields. So whenever the world has to go through a correction or the world has to be uh, rectified and uh, harmonized, upgraded, changed, it comes with this number 10 because it has to it has to infiltrate every single channel of energy um, that God created. And therefore, we can understand why initially there were 10 ma'amarot, there were 10 sayings with which the world was created. Then there was the 10 makot, the 10 uh, plagues that came onto Egypt for Egypt to be put through the cauldron of purification. There were 10 aspects that had to be elevated. We know that the Ten Commandments being the basis of living a moral and integrous life, through that we go and effect the world macrocosmically as a whole through these ten energy fields and 
personally, when we um, work on ourselves, we have to work on all ten aspects of whom we are. And so when it comes to Noah being the tenth generation grandson, um, what we are understanding is that the world ran for ten generations and what was supposed to be an elevation of this world, a connection with godliness, what happened through the immorality and the destructive behavior of the generations that preceded him, the world was plunged into a darkness that devalued, that destroyed, that did not allow the 10 energy levels to function um, properly. In fact, almost function, not function at all. And so along comes the 10th generation and God looks at this world and sees it's in a mess and has to, in a sense, do a reboot, has to do a cleansing and restart uh, the process again. And he does because after Noah, we see 10 generations till Abraham, until Abraham comes to be that person who's going to hold that beacon of light and bring that morality to the world. So this is a very, very significant time in history when Noah comes onto the, the, the platform, onto the stage of this world in order to effect what would be a huge, humongous change. The entire world is swallowed up, save of himself, his family, and the animals that he saved, and the world goes through a reboot. So significant in time, significant in number. Let's look now into the various, into the verse and look at the various words and see what we can derive just from the fact that we are told these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was perfect um, in his generation, and he walked with God. Well, the first thing that actually makes our rabbis raise an eyebrow and ask a question is, it doesn't flow nicely, the sentence, because it reads as follows. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. What do you mean these are the generations of Noah? Noah was a righteous man. Shouldn't it have rather read, these are the generations of Noah. He had sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. Uh, uh, this is where he came from. This is his yechus. This is where he's going to go. It seems that the words, Eile toldot Noah, these are the generations of Noah, just get hung into a space with no answer. And the rabbis ask, well, what are the generations of Noah? We aren't really told the generations of Noah over here, because the Torah then just goes to describe Noah's moral character. Noah ish tzaddik, he was a, a righteous man. Tamim hayabadorotav, he was a, 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 a perfect, a pure person. Eta elokim hitalech Noah, he walked with him. How's that the generations? So our rabbis come to teach us a very important thing, because it's the question that we should beg ourselves. What are our toldot? What are what are our offspring? So this question really can be answered on two levels. The first level is a, is a, is a practical one. It's a physical one. That Ele told Noach, these are generations of Noach, Noach became, so to speak, a second Adam. He was a second firstborn human being because the world really is derived from him. It was he who gave birth 
to the world as we know it. He started, he rebooted this entire world again. And these are the generations of Noach. The generations of the Noach are the, is the world that we know today, is the, 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 the myriads of people, the population of billions of people that we know today. We all derive ourselves back to Noach. And it was through Noach's moral integrity, the ability to stand up against evil that allowed him physically to repopulate the world. And this bears much thought because today we have a lot of debate, a lot of questioning, a lot of um, uncomfortableness sometimes um, on, in the discussion of, of children. In fact, uh, we were discussing on the weekend this horrific new law that's come in, I think, in the state of New York. Again, I stand to be corrected, but that you can abort a baby until a cup 15 minutes before uh, they are that uh, they're, they're born. There's no, there's no idea. There is no moral integrity. There is no moral responsibility in understanding how important it is um, that we have children, because it is categorically the only thing that allows us to perpetuate, to continue any type of legacy that we want to leave to the world. Ele told that Noah on a practical level is coming to teach us what practically did Noah contribute to the world? He contributed the, the fact that he had children. He had told that. He had generations. I remember one time having a discussion with, um, a, another person in, 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 in a business context. And, uh, when we had finished our business deliberations, we were, we were having small chat and, uh, finding a little bit more about each other. And, uh, I, he asked me, are you married? I said, yes. Do you have children? I said, I do. I have children. I have grandchildren. Thank God. Um, and then I reverted the question to him. I said, do you have children? So his answer to me was no. And I said, oh, well, that's such a shame. And, uh, he said, yes, I actually come from an incredible lineage. And he, gives, he tells me his surname. He was a non-Jewish uh, bloke. He told me his surname and he said that he is probably, I think, 14th, I stand to be correct, but he was like way down a generation of um, fathers and sons that were all named the same. So he he bore the name of his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather, back, 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 back. 14 generations. So I said to him, wow, you're really holding some mantle of, 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 of Yechesia, of, of recognition of, 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 a, of a dynasty. And he said, yes, he says, but I'm stopping it. I'm not having children. So I said to him, why? He said, because I think holding that um, like paramount is ridiculous. He says, I would rather leave my mark on this world not by having another generation that will carry on the name and live up to, you know, whatever it is that they found important in the family. I want to leave my mark on this world by just doing things in this world, by um, thinking new, th new, new ideas and maybe being innovative and, you know, sharing out ideas. And he, he gave me a whole list of, of what it is that he wanted to accomplish. All laudable things. Don't get me wrong. They were all laudable things. But at the end of the day, I said to him, how long do you think that mark that you place on humanity is going to last? Somewhere down the line, one generation, two, three, four, certainly 14 generations down the line, 
what you brought to this world will probably disappear into oblivion or be replaced at best by what's new and what's great and what's wonderful. But on the other hand, if you went and had a son that who you will name after yourself and by uh, definition has been named after his grandfather and his great-grandfather back and back and back, you are maintaining alive a legacy that that cannot that cannot die. Um, we had a very, very heated conversation um, about it, and he was pretty adamant in his uh, his standpoint. But certainly from a Torah viewpoint, these are generations of Noach. The Torah didn't have to go and explain what these generations were because the proof is in the pudding. Noach gave birth to humanity, and we are still here today. Because of Noah. And so it is important that we understand the importance of having children and of, of passing on the, the legacy, passing the torch onto the next generation. Because those things last. Those things carry on and, and make an, uh, an incredible impression in this world. Not things that we have, not things that we got, not the money in the bank and the car that we drive, not the clothes in the cupboard, not even the fame and honor that we receive. All of those will dissipate somewhere along the line and become completely inconsequential to the bigger picture. Eile Toldot Noach comes to teach us that having offspring um, is of vital importance. It could be that some of you out there are struggling to have kids and to you, I say don't give up um, and know that there is divine providence and there is somebody guiding your hand. Um, I'm not talking to you and I'm not making you feel more guilty, but I am talking to all those who choose to rather replace the trials and tribulations of bringing up children with an easier road, a, a more comfortable road to walk because it's the short, long road, you might have it easier initially, but in the long term, there will be nobody to carry on your legacy. When we make a concerted effort to put children on the top of our, our, our agenda, to make sure that we bring the new generation into this world, we care for them, we educate them, we teach them, we imprint on them um, morality and integrity and what is right, we make this world a better place and we follow in the footsteps all the way back to Noach. So that is the lesson with Eile Toldot Noach. Some rabbis don't take this as a practical consideration, but a spiritual consideration and say, Eile Toldot Noach, these are the generations of Noach. What was Noach's offspring? His offspring was his spiritual stature, his spiritual deeds. Why? You want to know his generations? His generations, the proof of what he created in this world was that he was a tzaddik, that he was tamim, that he was righteous, that he was pure, and that he walked with God. That's his generations. That's the prophets. That's what he creates. And so on a much deeper level, while there is an emphasis on the fact that Noah was the father of humanity, it's a lesson to each and every one of us. What, what are our prophets? What are our 
contribute? What is our contribution to this world? And here the Torah teaches a very, very profound thing. It's not that I've got three cars and four houses and a, a cupboard full of clothes, or I'm the professor, the, the politician, the CEO, whatever it is, wherever you find yourself. What are your toldot? What are your generations? Is that at the end of your life, when you meet your maker and you come before the heavenly court, they can say the, these things about you. You were a tzaddik. You were righteous. You were tamim. You were pure in everything you did. And you walked with God. Because up there in the world to come, the currency isn't rands or dollars, bitcoin or fame or being a doctor or a professor or a whoever it is that you are. The only currency we pay with, the only offspring we go, we leave this world with and go to the world to come with, is our moral integrity. And so, Ele told Noach, you read it, Noach ish tzaddik. He was, this, 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 this was his offspring. He was a righteous man. He was a pure man in everything he did. And he walked with God. So just on that, those three words, we have an incredible, incredible insight into what this world is all about and what we are doing here right now. If you'd like to join the conversation, you'd like to ask a question, you'd like to make a comment on what I've just shared, don't be shy. The SMS number is 34519, WhatsApp 061-895-1019. I want to now zoom in on the next three words of this verse and uh, ask a question again um, because we tend to use the, the the one word in particular in a very flippant way and we don't really, really understand the enormity of what we are saying. Noach ish tzaddik. Noach was a righteous man. He was a tzaddik. Now, why do I say that we use um, these, this word flippantly? Because we use it in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah, he's such a tzaddik, meaning he's such a good inka. He's such a good oak, as we would say um, in our South Africanism. He's a great guy, okay? Um, if you want to take it a little bit more serious, say, yeah, he's a righteous guy. He, he, he does the right thing. But what does tzaddik really, really mean? What does it mean to be a tzaddik? How do you become a tzaddik? Can you become a tzaddik? And to answer that question, I want to ask another two questions because, hey, in Judaism, we just don't answer a question. We always answer the question with another question. And here is the other question. The word tzaddik, righteous person, okay, comes from the word tzedek, which we translate as righteousness. We have another word that we use very, very often in our vocabulary. That's the word tzedakah, charity. We loosely translate it as charity. Now, if you can hear these three words, they all come from the same shorish, the same letters. Tzaddik, a righteous person, probably does tzedek, righteousness, and performs acts of tzedakah, of charity. Is this the right explanation is this what it says when Noach ish tzaddik? Noach was a good guy. Is that, is that how we draw the caricature of Noach? Or does tzaddik have a different or maybe more expansive explanation 
Love your ideas, 34519. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. So are you a tzaddik? Are you a righteous person? Do you give tzedakah? Do you give charity? Is there, what is the concept of tzedek? What is the concept of righteousness? So again here, there's the face value, but then there is something much, much deeper. Because Judaism takes the word tzedek, which we translate as righteousness, as doing what's right, and expands it in a much more deeper way. Tzedek means doing what's right according to God. Not just doing what's right. Because we know when we are left to our own devices, we can go and validate and say, this is right, and that is right, and this is right, and give a whole lot of explanations as to what is right, and they could be pretty wrong too. Living a life of righteousness, living a life where you can be called a tzaddik, a righteous person, means that you're living your lives according to an absolute yardstick, and that yardstick is the laws of the Torah that teach us how to be moral and integrous, irrespective of the way we think that's right or that's wrong. So when we are, when we are in a state of righteousness or we behave in a righteous manner, we are behaving, we are living with the compass of God. And that was the stamp of Noah. That's why Noah stood out from his entire generation. Because despite the, the moral disgrace that the world found himself in, he remained tzaddik. He remained connected to how God wanted him to live. And that's why God pointed out to him and said, you, Mr. Noah, are going to have to reboot the world and restart it all over again because you did not allow yourself to tip on or tip over into a environment where right and wrong is just debated and, you know, wherever you're sitting on, on, on the fence, you just decide what's right and wrong as we are today. We are so liberal. Our brains have fallen out. We don't have a company to say this is morally right and it's not, it's not discussable anymore. It's, it's, it's stuck in concrete. That was Noah. So Noah was a tzaddik. He was righteous because he maintained a moral integrity that superseded him. And by the way, that's why we call charity tzedakah. Because charity isn't a nice thing to do. Charity isn't just because, you know, you feel good and you, and, and you want to give to other people. It is that, but it's not really that. Tzedakah, charity, is the right thing to do. Meaning, you have to give away 10% of what you earn. Not because you're nice, not because you're kind-hearted, not because you're sensitive, but because God said that each and every single one of us is a bank manager down here. We earn a certain amount of income and 10% has to go back. It's the right thing to do, the correct thing to do, the moral thing to do. So tzedakah is much more than just a goody-goody feeling of charity. It is the acts of righteousness. So Noah ish tzaddik, he was righteous because he 
did not allow himself to fall. He had a moral compass that was absolute, and he stuck to it in his behavior, in his decisions, and in who he was. That allowed him then to be Tamim, Bedorotav, perfect, because that is a perfect human being. A perfect human being is a, a, a person who elevates himself and takes himself away from his animal instincts, wants and desires, and lives a life of, of morality and correctness according to God. He was pure, Tamim. And the rabbis come and teach also that Tamim um, cam, comes to teach us that he was perfect, meaning that Noah happened to be one of the grandsons of um, Adam that was born already circumcised. He already had a, a bris. We know that one of the ideas of circumcision is that um, a boy comes into completeness when we perform the circumcision. Noah was already circumcised, and so he was able to to be called pure tamim. He also walked with God. Et ha'elokim hitalech Noach. Everything that he did, every choice that he made, the way that he lived his life, he lived his life um, according to God. And that was the stamp of Noach. There are many, many debates about Noach being a tzaddik in his generation. Some went and said that he was unbelievably righteous, unbelievably a tzaddik because of the moral depravity of the the generation that he lived in. Others said that, in fact, he would have been nothing if he lived in the generation of Abraham. Um, he would have just been an ordinary person. And there's debate, you know, nature versus nurture. Where was he? How do, how do we react in the circumstance that we find ourselves? So I guess it's based on, on, on difficulty. Certainly, um, from, from that perspective, Noah found himself in an incredibly difficult situation. And, um, he lived this moral life, um, despite everything. And, and the truth is, is that he, he lived according to what Hashem wanted him to do. The criticism comes in that he didn't go beyond the letter of the law. He didn't go beyond what God demanded him, which made Abraham later, ten generations later, stick out further. It says here that he walked with God. When we learn about Abraham, we know that Abraham walked before God. What is the difference? Is that Noah understood what God wanted from him, and he was a good oak. He did what he had to do. He was a tzaddik. He listened to the laws that God wanted, and he kept them. And kudos for that. But there are times in our lives where we should go beyond the letter of the law, like Abraham. Abraham was not approached by God. Abraham wasn't told by God to go out and seek him, but Abraham, through his own understanding and through his own dedication, went out and started serving a God that nobody saw. And he went through ten tests, meaning that he took that uh, the, the, the spheres of energy that had been rebooted by Noah and, and took them to a much, much higher level insofar as that he took them beyond himself. He walked before God. He was 
much, much more powerful. And therefore, he became the father of the Jewish people, not Noach. So Noach did the right thing, but he didn't go beyond doing the right thing. And this, again, is another powerful lesson for us. Sometimes we will look at a situation and we'll say, okay, I did the right thing. And then if you analyze it again, you could have gone, yeah, I did the right thing. But if I had done this or that, it would have been even better. God wants us to make effort. He wants us to 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 do things beyond the letter of the law. And that's really where the criticism of Noach comes in, that yes, he was a tzaddik in his generation, but if he had stuck him in the generation of Abraham, he would have paled in comparison to Abraham, because Abraham certainly um, pressed that button and, and, and set a much, much higher, higher level of commitment and uh, conviction when it came to the... The, the way God wanted the world to be created. You're listening to Robertson Adel Kozilski. Welcome back, and we're still on verse 9. And I want to wrap up the ideas that I've shared today by the word Noah. Even his name is not inconsequential. It has a tremendous amount of significance. Why was this chappy, who we say is a tzaddik, a person who's perfect, a person who walks with God called Noah? Well, the way that we analyze these things is always just go look at the Shorish. What does Noach mean? Noach comes from the word Menucha, comes from the word peacefulness, rest, peace of mind. And I dare to say, I dare to venture, that perhaps this is the greatest lesson that Noach is coming to teach us. Before we even get into the nitty-gritty of the story, we today, particularly in today's generation, are running after, we are pursuing, we are desiring, we are wanting that I almost would say unachievable state of peace of mind. What would so many of us do that we could just actually live with a peace of mind, with a serenity, with a peacefulness within ourselves? And so I dare to venture that that which we've learned about Noah the way Noah conducted his life, that those are the ingredients to become peaceful um, in, 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 in our lives. If we live according to a moral standard that we are integrous, that we know that we have an answer because we subscribe to an absolute code, that we do everything because that's the way it has to be, that's the way God wants us to be, Perhaps we will be able to touch that iceberg of being with menuchas nefesh and menuchas guf, with the peacefulness of our body and the peacefulness of our mind, of our soul. Because I think that which causes turbulence in our world is the inability to know what's right and wrong, the questioning all the time of what is right and wrong. Noah comes to teach us you need to live a life of righteousness, of purity, and of working with God. And that's the lesson today that I'd love to leave you with. I hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, send some feedback. Love to hear from you. To each and every one of you out there, have a marvelous week.